Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by two excellent guests, both leaders in the tech space, as we discuss another intriguing topic, navigating growth, discussing the pros and cons of a maturing tech team. But before we delve deeper into the topic, let's just start with some introductions. Let's know who you are, what you do, and also your interests outside of the workplace. Andy, we'll come to you first. Sure, sure. Uh, thank you for uh, for pulling this together. Uh, excited to uh, share share our thoughts. Uh, my name is Andy Durs, and yeah, I'm a director of security for an at- marketing attribution company here in in Copenhagen. And uh, yeah, yeah, involved with uh, uh, information security, privacy, compliance, but uh, that's what I do now. But my background comes from working in e-commerce and uh, marketing platforms and uh, yeah, yeah, working on the engineering side. Uh, started off uh, back in 2010 promoting this new idea called DevOps <laughs> and uh, have followed the journey along and been a part of it and yeah yeah excited now uh, uh have ventured into the area of compliance but uh yeah long long-term growth in uh uh engineering side nice great introduction Niels let's hear yours yeah hi uh, my name is Niels Rasmussen uh, thanks for having me as well um I'm currently working as a senior engineering manager at the, at the company um, that provides a success platform all in one for for restaurants um, um my background uh, come from a front-end developer background and uh, stumble into sort of this uh, startup business uh, after my studies working in a, another small Danish uh, startup um, and in that space, it was an eight-year uh, sort of adventure where we moved from a small handful of people, four to five people, uh, and grew into like a, a 120-people organization. Um, so my journey is essentially going from an individual contributor uh, into sort of a team manager and uh, leading an engineering team at that company. It's also where uh, I met Andy, and we've been discussing sort of the, the sort of um, how to do uh, fast software development and also being compliant at the same time, which is also what led to kind of this uh, this topic and this conversation. How do you build fast and agile and at the same time in a, in a uh, sort of safe manner? Nice. Great introduction, Zeb. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. The topic in focus today, navigating growth. Let's jump straight into it. You both have a question or a statement surrounding the, the topic. So if you could give some context behind it, that'd be great. But I think, Niels, we'll come to you first on this one, since it came to you last on the, the, the introduction side of things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think... Um... 
for me, it's of course uh, the big question here is like how do you define uh, maturity in uh, at least for me, especially in startup uh, companies, uh, been part of very small uh, startups and to slightly bigger. So the big question for me, also for me, still to find out is essentially how do we assess maturity and what does it mean and in what stage uh, of the company's growth do we focus on on which uh, topics essentially. Um, so at least uh, my my view, uh, if you, when you look at engineering. Um, is you essentially have two concepts that you you always have to sort of balance and one is um, change management which is you know in the startup companies they're always very ambitious want a lot of things to get done um, and want to find new uh, features or things to sell uh, which means you kind of have to develop fast um, and then of course at the same time uh, have a very reliable uh, system which is kind of uh, to some extent contradicting points which also means as an engineering organization, you need to have uh, good processes in place that don't uh, tie you down, tie you down too much. Um, and I think that's that's sort of the basis for, for, for this conversation. And I guess there are several questions under that as well. Yeah, of course. And it is a very kind of broad way to open things off. Um, I'm curious to so what you think on that, Andy. No, absolutely. Uh, uh, like Neil said, you know, we we worked together in in a previous previous company, previous life, and uh, yeah, we've sparred back and forth on this this exact topic of you know maturing these processes, you know, in order to you know one meet you know where where my my perspective on it of meeting that that reliability and and confidence um, from you know meeting a regulatory. Uh, you know, uh, just uh, business processes and also, you know, meeting contractual obligations. You know, there's a, a certain level there where we need to be able to have that freedom to uh, soar, you know, uh, race through uh, uh, building things, delivering things like that. But at the same time, you know, it's that uh, uh, coming back and saying, how do we make sure that we have those proper safeguards in uh, to prevent other riskier problems that could come up from, uh, you know, the software development lifecycle, um, you know, just human errors, human mistakes, uh, things like that, just m missing something like that. Uh, uh, we've been back and forth on this and, you know, growing teams to be able to handle this, growing processes to be able to handle this and preserving that freedom that the developers and engineers need to have to be able to innovate and deliver uh, uh, new uh, visible innovation, things like that. But, you know, still stay, stay in a uh, in an area where, you know, uh, making these changes uh, don't decrease confidence from engineers themselves in their own development environments, uh, as well as the, the business side. Um, you know, leaders, uh, external stakeholders like customers or uh, even investors, you know, uh, you know, we both come from small organizations and, and that's kind of the, uh, the arena that we've uh, uh, built our careers in uh, working in these these small organizations, startups, uh, uh, you know, still still looking for funding and things like that. Um, and, you know, these things are, are trying to find that balance between things. It's a uh, uh, it, it's tricky to, to say, you know, <laughs> the least, but it is uh, it's exciting, especially coming from, you know, 
I wouldn't say opposing perspectives, but opposite sides of the same coin. You know, we're both, the missions are always the same, but we're coming from different perspectives and, and trying to uh, uh, come to a middle ground and find that balance. And uh, yeah. Nice. And something that's being mentioned a lot already in the conversation is is reliability. So I just want to hear your both of your takes really in a bit more detail. Niels, we'll start with you. How do you ensure re reliability on your side of things? Yeah, I think uh, to be a little bit more concrete than uh, at least the, the first response I had was um, when I look uh, when I join a team or if I uh, yeah, um, work with any team, I've, I've tried to work with a few now. Uh, for me, it's very much about looking also at um, the change management process um, having a very uh, clear agreement uh, with the team. What does that mean? So I think uh, first things first, I think this is, exists in many definitions, but something that's often referred to is like this definition of done. Um, if you roll something out, uh, you always need to agree on uh, when uh, is things done. And, and typically that is when, you know, some sort of change has been made uh, and is available uh, to a customer. Um, and then agree on all the steps uh, to go to that. Uh, if you have product management, uh, there's some sort of uh, definition of, of what needs to be done. Uh, and often I say you need to go slow to go fast. And that means the very first thing is you need, there needs to be agreement. What are the business logic you're trying to implement and stuff like that? Because reliability can be technical uh, character, but I also think uh, I've at least experienced that you roll something out and then there's been disagreement on what was actually expected of this. And then you have uh, help breaking loose basically because uh, specifications weren't clear. And no, so you, you, you remember there's an easy solution to this. We just add on an additional done to the end of the, the list. Is it done or is it done done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I said, there's many definitions and I've heard everything from done to done done and even uh, three dones. And, and I think that's uh, especially uh, why I also think it's super important to get this clearly defined early because there exists depending on who you ask different uh, definitions of when things are done but yeah as i said one thing is, is the specifications that's all comes down to you know what are the agreement before you start something of the more technical character um you have very uh, basic things like pull request reviews uh, having engineers that are familiar with that has an alignment on, on what's expected in the team internally uh, some have dedicated qa teams um, and where the focus can be on automated uh, tests and stuff like that. Uh, we've also started working a lot with uh, static code analysis. So having some sort of objective way of measuring uh, is the code complex, how to read, um, is it tested and stuff like that. Um, so I think those are things that can keep you from um, breaking things that you know uh, of um, in advance. Uh, but there's also the other um, area, which is something uh, I've also started using uh, increasingly and something that I think is as should be um, something that focus on and probably is part of maturing a team since that's what we're talking about is that having monitoring uh, of your systems, understanding what does it mean to have a system that's uh, up and running. Can you uh, detect errors uh, before your customers and uh, analyze uh, what those errors are to preemptively sort of fix those because I think there's sort of an agreement that you always push out things that either break or it doesn't work as expected but if you're able to cast them yourselves and fix them uh, I think you're on a good path uh, to actually um, 
deliver faster because all in all that ends up being confidence that the team has that you can push out faster knowing that you'll catch things uh, before they go uh, completely bad so i think there's two sides of, of reliability that's you know being able to catch things before they go out uh, in case something goes wrong you're able to catch it uh, faster than um, yeah your customers essentially okay yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, just to, just to back up everything you, you just said. I mean, I, I I wholeheartedly agree with with all the points that you just brought up. Um, but I think if you if you needed to, you could sum it up into you know what you know, especially uh, you know as you started. What do you look for when you walk into a new organization? And it is that confidence that the en the engineering the product can go through changes on a rapid pace and there's that confidence or I, I should say lack of fear to make those changes because all of those systems are in place which provide that backbone that foundation for you know giving some stability to that confidence you know that confidence to make those changes uh you know in an expedited manner but you know uh We've 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 seen it um, in places where you know developers are are afraid to deploy, and you know that's uh it comes from not having that that good foundation, the all those tools that are necessary for to support the developers uh, or engineers. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just, just want to sum that back up into you know the the simplest thing that uh, you know how I look for it is is the product team comfortable with pushing out, you know, I, I guess the, the ultimate test is, are they willing to deploy on a Friday afternoon? <laughs> you know, if, uh, if the product team is willing to to easily, comfortably make a change on a Friday afternoon, then, you know, you're, 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 you're increasing your maturity right there already. Yeah. And I think both of you aligned quite a few processes there. It was good to see Unios uh, especially go with the different processes, you know, like define what actually done means, reviewing, testing, analyzing, fixing, all that kind of stuff. And then Andy clearly follows a similar process at his organization as well. So it's interesting to see how two similar size organizations start up kind of vibe um, using a, a similar process. I just want to know based on that. Um, something else we touched on was the confidence in speed. So you've kind of got the reliability now. So how do you ensure the confidence side of things and the speed side of things? I honestly th believe that they go hand in hand. You know, um, having those those proper tools and and process guardrails, checklists. You know, those type of of functions there within the team within the organization uh allow you to to build that confidence so they can move fast um you know and to to use the the term move fast and break stuff but have that confidence that you know breaking stuff is something that is quickly repairable um easily repairable um something that's repairable by somebody else within the team <laughs> you know uh all of those those little things like that uh, uh increase that confidence in, in with uh you know in in speed uh while also you know providing other teams like when i say other teams i'm i'm often talking about uh my team 
interacting with with the product team because you know we try to build security into those processes uh you know the term shift left we 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 promote that term a lot where you know trying to build those things into into the pipelines those process pipelines so you know nothing comes as a surprise um things are built well but there's that confidence there from external to the product team uh, within the company and to the customers and and, and uh, outside that uh, people can move. People can move, do what they need to do, and have that freedom and, and feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. I think actually you mentioned an interesting point here in the end, uh, feeling comfortable. I think you mentioned in the beginning, and this is probably where we've also had some conversation before, where we've disagreed a little bit, uh, having full sets of checklists, having full automation on the QAs, like, it's something you might think you want, uh, but it's also very hard to achieve. Um, so I think I'm working in this space where we kind of need to build confidence more out of experience uh, rather than knowing that we can check every box off. So I think we want to always improve the process and add more to the list that, that we do. Uh, but sometimes given less resources, I think it's also about going through the process often enough. So it's like uh, break down things you do to very small changes that introduce less risk and just practice, 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 like the, the process of um, deploying things either to your staging, test environment, uh, to production, uh, having different ways of, of releasing. So people feel confident that they can go forward uh, and backward, or they can even fix the chains uh, that, that broke things, essentially by just building confidence in, in the process. So I think one thing is process, practice, and, and then what you mentioned, feeling comfortable. I think there's also very much um, like the softer aspect. It's like the environment you work in. How do your organization, other teams, yourself uh, respond to when things go wrong? Because um, I've seen that's where you can really um, hurt a team's confidence if, you know, the way uh, either management or commercial teams respond to something going wrong um, is where you need to still ensure some sort of uh, safe environment where people are like, okay, that happened. What is the solution to 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 resolve things? And and that's why I think confidence is a good word because it's not, you know, you can't do everything technically. It's also about how do you uh, yeah, uh, handle people and the situation when things go wrong and always keep an eye on the ball. And nice. And Andy, how do you deal with things when they go wrong? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and yeah, running those drills, like you said, you know, it's 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 repetition, uh, uh, proper incident management with postmortems uh, to you know, and I don't mean you know every single time is a sit down, uh, pull everybody in type of postmortem like like we uh, have experienced in the past, but it's taking that moment to address what were the lessons learned and defining action items coming out of those lessons learned to improve the process you know like right that's that's the whole thing about maturing an organization right it's just continuously improving those processes so just to, to hammer in what Mill said it's that building that that um that experience by running scenarios you know um you know frequency in in the the pipeline allows for that uh ability for Team members to to see and experience things. How do how do they react? How how should the team react? Um, taking those lessons, 
those lessons learned and those action items and, uh, you know, reviewing them and going over them and uh, returning back to say, okay, next time we see this, how do we do this better? How do we, how do we handle this quicker? More, you know, less resources, uh, less time, whatever it is that, that needs to be improved, but define a measurement, you know, observe it and, and, you know, determine if you're actually improving it. Nice. And Niels, you mentioned that you two have had a, a lot of sparring on, on this kind of topic. Are you <laughs> coming to to agree with each other on it at this point? Or is there anything you'd like to add in a, in a different direction? I think leading up to this podcast, we actually did discuss it briefly. And I think ours probably, uh, at least um, from just looking at a couple of years back, I was probably more on the, you know, we need to move fast, uh, compliance and all these security things is, is slowing us down because, you know, it's, it's more work before we can get things out. Where I'm probably moving more towards like there's things that need to be in place, um, like things we need to know before we roll things out. Uh, I have a hunch and it's moving in the other direction. So maybe give it uh, some more time and we might see a meet in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You know, because you're right. Uh, it's complete. Complete opposite, you know, it was, uh, we need to get these processes defined, get them in place. Uh, uh, the only way to fix it is to have, you know, a, a process defined, hard coded into documents, things like that, you know, where it was just uh, far more rigid. Um, yeah, working my way towards towards meeting that, uh, uh, how do we how do we achieve all of our compliance requirements, our our uh, proper handling of information and data, uh, securing our environments, those type of things. Uh, you know, on, on one hand, yes, I do have, uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of forced to push that that hard to find uh, uh, requirements, but, you know, there's still at the end of the day, there's a business need that we need to move. There's, you know, uh, you can secure things, but if you if you can't make any money, you can't get new customers. You know, then what's the point, right? So you know, it comes down to, you know, trying to work my way towards how do we meet these requirements, but still achieve, you know, the the necessary speed and allow allow people to be able to do what they need to do, is kind of taking this much more from uh, a blanket type of. Uh, setting of these processes and things like that, but looking at more from a risk priority, you know, identifying what is the risks to people's daily work? What's the risk to the business? What's the risk, you know, uh, and seeing what is highest priority from that standpoint and trying to attack that because, uh, uh, you know, as you used the phrase once, there's a lot we want to do, but we can't get to all of it. <laughs> you know, and eventually we want to get to all of it, but there's no way we can because, you know, we're navigating, um, you know, smaller organizations, so smaller teams, smaller resources, or I should say less resources. We got to, we have to do what we can with what we got. And yeah, looking at that from a risk uh, based approach uh, allows us to kind of tackle the, the big issues. Then working towards the low-hanging fruit, and then eventually work out the the things that are the lowest risks to us uh, down the line. You know, so we can still meet uh, our requirements and things like that, but not not thwart everybody's progress because, well, you know, uh, you know, one 
one security framework says we should do it this way, or another says we should do it this way. Well, what works for us? What's what's actually what is the problem we're try, truly trying to solve here? Um, you know, working our way towards that, finding that that fine-tuned balance between, you know, how do we do things right or uh, secure and and uh, the the best way we can while still being able to deliver that's that is where it comes down at the end of the day do it right but still deliver as fast as can as we can so <laughs> we're just trying to find that balance Niels, do you think you can meet all requirements without slowing down do you think you can find that balance i think we can find the balance uh, i don't think we can meet all uh, requirements i mean uh, i have a list very long of things i would like uh, to have done uh, both in, in previous companies and here uh, but yeah, it's definitely about context where we now, what's the most important things. And also just very, um, be very aware of things you're not doing. Um, and just knowing like that is going to be, have to be something we're doing later because it's not a big impact for us now. Um, and I think sometimes it's, um, it's your own ass. So it's uh, looking at the team. What are we dealing with now? What are the biggest risks for ourselves? And keeping that uh, confidence. Um, those you probably want to get solved pretty fast because otherwise, it will slow you down. Others are, of course, um, from from businesses. Um, at least one thing I've seen growing from a small company is small customers you have. They care less uh, when you move into bigger uh, customers, uh, bigger contracts. All of a sudden, you have another department that you answer to in some sort of company, and uh, that's when uh, you might prioritize some of those things that you're generally uh, not looking at. And that's typically security, compliance, and stuff like that. Um, I'm also, uh, you also see it sometimes from, from vendors you're working with, uh, they'll come in and go like, okay, you're using this, uh, there's certain things uh, compliant you need to look at. So I'm very much looking at what are the things we can push? What are the things that have hard deadlines? What are the things that, you know, that'll cost us if we don't? Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, again, it's content and as, as uh, Andy said, risk management always. Um, and I think especially in smaller companies, startup context, you need to be you know, comfortable saying, you know, there are things that are not as they should be, but we're okay with that uh, until uh, it becomes a bigger issue. Um, and that's you know, down to prioritizing and manage, managing risk, essentially. And sometimes just having that visibility into the fact that the risk exists allows people to be aware of it. And while solving other problems, think that the solution there, there's a possible solution that covers an existing risk that uh, can be tackled together you know two 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 birds one stone type of a thing um so yeah that, that visibility and sharing that with across the teams helps uh feedback to what we were saying earlier with that that confidence too so uh i think that's important yeah and some, sorry sorry niels good go for it that was my bad no, it's just, yeah, uh, another thing is now, now we're also saying like there's things you don't do and you have to accept that. I also find more and more, at least in my own role, you have to find uh, a little bit like, like Andy said, find out where can you then make something that you're doing for uh, the business, like it's, it's maybe a commercial initiative. How can you merge that with something that also makes sense uh, from either like uh, compliance or technical? Because sometimes you can actually get those to go hand in hand. Um, and that's where you also need to take ownership and responsibility, at least for your engineering or 
those practices and say like no one else is going to ask us to improve our code no one else is going to ask us to test our code no one else is going to ask us to um do certain things um and that's where as a team you kind of go like okay we're doing this thing and while we're doing it and while we're touching this area either of the code or the uh, product we are also improving um, whatever is not uh, good at that place so it's also very much about finding ways to embed these initiatives with uh, whatever else you're doing uh, for the business um, i think there's generally in engineering this uh, scout scout principle leave things better cleaner uh, than than you uh, then you pick them up and i think that goes both for whatever code but also other things that is on your long list of things you want to get done um, just sneak them in there because uh, it's, it's essentially uh, our own uh, responsibility uh, in the end okay and something i'm a bit curious about you guys are currently in startups but you you both have had some involvement in large companies as well do well somewhat you know i see you kind andy of more than me. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i suppose andy more than you um but are all these perspectives just relevant for startups if i if we had somebody from ibm in here right now would he be saying the the same thing yeah it's would he be saying would they be saying the same thing uh they should be because you know regardless of the organization size you're still usually some sort of business unit that's a, a subset of it, you know, so it's you can always measure it back down. It's 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 the same, you know, uh, and and probably even more so because there um, I would say that the, the pinch on your resources, on your budgeting and things like that is even more limited you know uh, i suppose you know sometimes when i say uh, limited it's 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 a relative scale you know there is larger organization naturally will have more money that's that's uh able to be tossed around but um ratios between business units you know those type of things uh are still going to be uh, uh a similar type of thing where those resources no matter what they're always gonna always gonna feel like your resources that are limited so you got to make the most with what you got and so when it comes back to all these principles of you know actually maturing your organization it's it's one and the same you can say okay. like with with little experience uh, i have anecdotal at least uh, sort of uh, i've heard from others who have moved from either in uh, where i've worked directly with them or similar size companies i can tell that you know the bigger companies maybe have uh, larger responsibilities or they have contractually uh, committed to to certain sort of uh, reliabilities things so that means projects do take longer and I've, I've met people say like things take so long in this company because we have to define this and this and this and it has to go through different uh, other teams and um, so yeah i think they're doing the same and they're probably a little bit more rigid uh, about it um but they can probably also afford it because it's a different scale of sort of uh, business you're driving uh, where um, I'm not sure from at least some of the timelines I've heard, I would be able to get away with with, uh, with, with uh, taking that time. So I think same concepts, uh, and I guess why, uh, why this topic is interesting for small startups, it's something you have to learn pretty fast, um, where at some point, you know, you may have more people sitting with very specialized areas. Uh, in a startup company, you typically have to wear multiple hats um, and try to cover uh, a broader range of sort of uh, responsibilities uh, with less people. Yeah. yeah. 
And I, I, I still, I still want to, you know, just, uh, just to push back on that a little bit is, you know, yeah, it, it's the, they're two different animals. You know, a uh, large, large organization between uh, first uh, a s small organization, especially like a startup, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, yeah, things there's a far more bureaucracy that's already established and things like that in a large organization. So, yeah, but, you know, when it comes down to it, it's still your organization is usually operating adjacent, you know, so it's uh you know, the way, way I've experienced is uh, we've actually called, you know, our business units like almost almost separate entities outside of the business that had to operate uh, in, in that fashion where it's, uh, you know, kind of kind of on your own. Your new processes, all of those type of things, you know, especially especially if a business unit is uh, uh, a little bit newer in the organization, um, you know, somebody who uh, uh, works in multiple industries and they, they venture into a new one and need to start a new digital product or something like that, well, it's still going to operate the sim similar way. You have limited resources and you're going to have to make do. Now, you might have to make do inside of further bureaucracy and things like that, which will naturally slow the processes down. But, uh, yeah, it's still going to be that, you know, you need to figure things out inside of your organization. Uh, how do you measure your progress and improve your progress. Um, it might be measured more. There might be more stakeholders um, measuring that performance and you'll have to answer to that, you know? Um, so yeah, two different animals, but a lot of tie-in, a lot of, a lot of uh, um, you know, similarities between, between the two. And maybe just to counter my own point, I have also seen in small companies uh, slow down and maybe because of uh, confidence, maybe because, uh, you know, lack of trust in, in, in the organization where you actually spend a lot of time discussing things that could be, you know, in a small organization. So by trying things out, so it's probably maybe less about the size of the company and more uh, yeah, your approach uh, and, and, and some of these principles. Um, Totally. Okay. Totally. Nice. And something we've we've touched on quite a lot already is is complaints. I guess something I want to know. I know we've covered it somewhat, but maybe in a bit more detail. How do you go about implementing more compliance and that kind of thing without also bringing with it too much red tape? Sure. Sure. You know, it's um. I, I, it really comes down to addressing what are what are the biggest changes that need to happen to meet the the requirements of whatever compliancy uh, whatever program you're you're required to meet. Um, you know, taking that risk based approach to say how do we address the things that we do need to? What are we already addressing? What aren't we addressing? Narrow it down from there, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, there's always going to be changes, right? There's always going to be, you know, and, and I would also match comp, uh, uh, compliance back to customer requirements too, you know, whether whether you don't have a, a, a program that you're trying to meet, you know, uh, think of it, you're just a software startup, uh, uh, you're not involved with health information, you're not processing credit cards, you know, any of those um, compliance programs that you would need to meet, like 
you know, PCI or uh, HIPAA or things like that, um, you know, you're still going to have to meet GDPR. So if anything, we're all, everybody has to meet some sort of compliancy program. But where I'm going with this is that there's always going to be these type of requirements. If it's not a program from a governmental body or some sort of organization like that, it's, uh, it's going to be your customers. They're going to have requirements that need to come in. So you need to be able to uh, be flexible. You need to be able to know what the requirements are and uh, circling all the way back to what this whole conversation has been about, you know, it centers around that, that confidence and speed and being able to deliver what you need to without, you know, without having that fear to, to make those changes. So, you know, identifying things right away, having that visibility into things, uh, having the tools that are necessary. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, to, to avoid as much red tape when, you know, there's no matter what you do, there's always going to be some sort of red tape that you're navigating around. So having all those other things in, in place allow you to navigate it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I think another point, uh, at least for myself, one thing I've seen that can be done uh, very differently in what company you're in is, um, when you're a small company, uh, less resources, I think it's also very much about being aware of what is the core of our business and what is, what is someone else's business. And so we do a lot of uh, partnering up with uh, companies that do, if it's fiscal requirements, if it's, uh, you know, uh, tax requirements, if it's accounting, you know, there's certain things we do very well. And then there's things we, we don't have the in-house knowledge of. And that's also uh, identifying um, partners, uh, third parties who can help with that. Down the line, uh, that also comes with maybe a different kind of risk, or you need to then assess, assess your partners in, in a different way. Um, but I think uh, a big sort of um, risk you can take if, if, if you think you can handle all of this is all of a sudden you're stuck with a lot of things you don't have the in-house knowledge of doing, and it might change. And uh, so for me, it's, it's, it's keeping an eye on, on your core business, uh, partnering up with people who can help you also uh, when it's specifically uh, compliance related, yeah. Okay. And I, I have a, a bit of a question. It's slightly off topic. You guys are both, you know, you're in startups. I'm just trying to figure out a bit more about, about you two individually. Do you guys like the idea of, of transitioning your startups, if it would be possible, you know, you had a magic wand. Do you like the idea of taking your startups to more of a large scale or, uh, organization or do you like the vibe of the startup? Do you like kind of wearing those multiple hats? What's your what's your thoughts on on making your startup a, a large scale organization? Well, uh, I guess what Okay, where, where I go with that is, you know, is is the point just to increase the size of the organization or is it to increase, you know, the size of the business, right? So, you know, just, you know, looking at where, where, where you have, you know, fiscal flexibility, things like that, um, you know, is it wise just to throw people? or to throw time and energy and refocusing on how to address whatever the problem is to add new business, gain new business, keep existing business, things like that. So when you say scale up the organization, is that just growing um, you know, the body count or is it growing the business? You know, 
Yeah, I, I feel like with that question, I, either or really, I, I was just thinking, I've got two guys quite successful in, in startups here. Um, I was just wondering what it is that, that you, you're drawn to in startups, because I'm sure there's opportunities there for you two to go and get, get that management role in a big company. Um, so let's say your your business goes you know takes off mm-hmm. will you have that thing in your in the back of your heart like oh i used to love it when it was a startup and i had to do so many different things or or is it is it something that, that you, you don't really know the answer to it, if that makes sense i know it's a bit of a vague uh, question but that's where i was going with it really i, I definitely know why why i'm i'm in this this area it's it's the fact that you will have a different problem every day um and you know starting at, at the young startup phase you have a different problem every single day and growing the organization is still a different problem every day so um i would not say that you know the culture can change and and you can miss the culture of what you were before um but i would say that um, yeah, growing an organization, maturing an organization, building those processes, building those improvements, those type of things, I think is always going to be an exciting, uh, exciting day, exciting quarter, you know, whatever, um, you know, just, it's, it's always, always an adventure. And, uh, uh, I think it's the, the learning new experiences from coming up with new solutions for problems that, you haven't seen before or you've seen before but in a different way um you know so i think that's always exciting and yeah yeah um i would never say that uh i just want to only work in you know that early stage startup but seeing seeing something through building you know taking a baby and and raising it you know I'm not sure I can give a clear answer to this one either, because I think on a hectic week, you're sitting there like, why well, I'm not working in a big company where, you know, you can kind of, you know, step back a little bit and take it easy. But I also realize over the last, you know, what is it, two years, the climate has changed a little bit financially and uh, we are we are slightly reduced team now as well. And I do find myself enjoying it a lot more, working really close uh, with a small team. You can make decisions fast. You can, you can respond uh, and you can actually solve uh, Sometimes it feels like you could solve problems that are bigger and better with a small focus team than if you have to coordinate uh, too many, many stakeholders. So mm-hmm. I think maybe there's going to be a day where I think like it's, it's going to be nice to maybe not uh, be so much on. But right now, I actually think uh, there is some sort of vibe and some sort of feeling of accomplishment in, in, in small startups that, that are really uh, exciting. And I think uh, I probably have to acknowledge it's, it's, it's where I'm most comfortable, at least at the moment. Yeah, thanks for humouring me on that kind of question. I I just wanted to see what what's go what's making you tick, you know, because obviously I work in the, in the recruitment market and and we see the, the likes of you guys with your track records getting offered positions at, at large scale companies all the time. So I ju- I just always am curious as what makes you stay at the those startups and there clearly must be something, you know intrinsic that that's just kind of like that vibe that, that we've mentioned a few times definitely a, a big role of the startup for a lot of the, the guys i speak to in a similar position to yourselves i mean we discussed earlier uh, we mentioned uh, there's a long list of things to do so i mean 
being uh, in this role in a startup is also easy to improve, right? So uh, you look better because, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> there's so many things to be done. Yeah. Okay. And something else we've not quite covered yet on the topics i know i know we spoke of it before on on some things that, that should be mentioned on this um security hasn't really been delved into in this conversation as of yet is that something you guys would like to explore in a bit more detail uh i mean not particularly when it comes to you know i i think i think the the topic when how do you mature your organization, especially when talking about, you know, uh, you know, obviously the the audience of, of this podcast are our fellow fellow tech uh, engineering development uh, that side of of the businesses that they they may be involved with. But uh, yeah, I think security is a part of all of our responsibility, and so it isn't any different when it comes to maturing their processes. So I don't think there's anything that we need to go into too much detail specific on security, but um, just addressing that it's it's a very similar similar situation to what we've been discussing here. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, is it the case that when you're when you're growing and maturing in these tech teams, is security something that needs to be more at the forefront? Can you kind of not necessarily slack or cut corners at the start, but when the startup's just a baby, as you mentioned before, Andy, can you kind of push security to the the back of the priorities? And as it gets gets more mature and grows in size and scale, is that when security has to come in in a bit more detail? Uh, no, I think it should be right from the start where somebody is championing it and making sure that everybody in the organization is aware because like i said and i repeat this over and over my co-workers are sick of it you know we we are all responsible for security there is no you know uh sure you can have a fancy title like like CISO, but you're still not responsible day to day for security everybody's responsible for security um you know a role like that is more of just making sure everybody else is aware <laughs> to be aware of security. So, uh, yeah, I think there should always be there, you know, somebody there championing it. Um, growing the team is part of, you know, uh, process improvements and defining roles as you go along that when you ass assess that there is a need for somebody dedicated to um, increase the size of the team to help assist in creating that awareness and sharing knowledge and uh, working across teams to improve processes. Of course, there's always a need to, uh, um, you know, grow, grow that area of the business, but it still comes back to how do you make sure that everybody else feels aware, uh, responsible for security as well? I think, um, I don't disagree, uh, but I think in practice, you'll see a lot of companies, especially smaller, it moves right uh, to the back of uh, you know the, the priority list because you know it's not necessarily something you can sell right off the bat. Uh, but I do think security is is going to be uh, more and more uh, legislation on this, and I think it's you're going to be more and more impacted, especially the the bigger you grow. So I think everything I'm bringing into where I am now with security, I think I've probably picked up from Andy. So it's like it's becoming it's on my radar now, and I think it's it's super important to instill 
uh, more and more. Uh, but I think in practice, there's probably a lot of uh, companies out there that you could just uh, poke a hole uh, on like, like a balloon if, if you were to look the right places. Again, our approach is in, in this sense, we don't have dedicated uh, sort of security ownership, but we then do the same, as I mentioned earlier, like we partner up with someone who will uh, do the assessment and for whatever uh, we're doing. Uh, we, of course, also do risk assessment on particular areas of the product where some things are more critical than others. Um, so, and I think probably uh, as, as you grow, that's also going to be a differentiating factor, especially when, when you deal with bigger and bigger clients. Uh, if you can somehow prove that uh, this is something that's uh, top of mind for you, um, I think that that's when it, it can uh, become more sort of holistically in the business be something you prioritize. Uh, but until then, I would be surprised not to see a lot of companies start taking it very seriously. Um, yeah. And do you think that it's everybody's responsibility, like Andy said? Absolutely. Uh, but I also think, you know, you could, you could break that down as well um, into, you know, where are you dealing with, with, with what? When we're talking engineering teams and tech, uh, there's, you know, all these ways of, of penetrating systems and stuff like that, um, managing data access uh, that probably lies closer to an engineering team. Um, but I think security, uh, one thing I did learn uh, also, uh, especially for managers, like people are also at security risk. So, uh, sort of security on, on the, the personal level, how you deal with the uh, phishing emails and stuff like that. Um, I know in uh, at least where I'm now, it's being dealt with, you know, uh, from everyone and very centrally. And so, yeah, generally it's everyone's responsibility, but of course there's certain things that make more sense to, to, to delegate uh, where it makes sense. Yeah. Well, something that, that's came to my mind when you guys are telling me about that, those insights, if security is kind of everybody's responsibility, when the businesses grow and, and, and people get employed in different roles solely for security, you know, DevSecOps or, or SRE, whatever it may be, what is the point in having those guys in particular to do the security jobs if it's everybody's responsibility? I think, I mean, at least uh, for us, um, again, uh, back to the long list of things you want to do. Uh, we're a startup. It's There's been sort of generations of, 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 of teams involved and uh, we have a very, uh, or at least have had a very fragmented system. So definitely if you have someone sort of at the setups, it's also standardizing your environments, making sure everything falls under the same umbrella and you can actually say technically we are protected behind these these systems or uh, every system is running under the same kind of you know uh, how do you call it uh, yeah uh, uh, yeah organization essentially so every engineer whatever product they're working on you know uh, what are the sort of guardrails you're working uh, between and i think um, we have a very small team on that but this whole idea of platform engineering and making sure tools is the same and you can go about and doing a job getting things deployed in the same way whether you're working on product a b or c and i think that's where you put some of that and um, yeah standardization in and that's definitely one of the first steps of maturing a team it's not just you know uh, coming from what i've seen people copy pasting uh, files into a folder to deploy versus you know actually knowing uh, what systems are testing and, and pushing your changes um, so for me, that that builds on top of yeah, maturing and and uh, building confidence in in your processes essentially. Okay, 
Do you have anything to add on that, Andy? No, no, I think that's uh, really, really hits a lot of it on the head. You know, it's uh, identifying where your risk tolerance is and, uh, you know, how, how, how are you covering, you know, any of those solutions? Why are you, you know, mitigating it? Are you, you know, uh, transferring it over to to other other responsible people for it? Um, you know, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the only part that I'll uh, say doesn't need to be fully fully integrated into everybody else's responsibilities is just that one that one security champion that's that's that first point that can be that the spoke the spoke in the wheel to say you know hey here's our requirements hey you have coverage okay cool you know and and moving on from there but uh yeah okay nice well is there any kind of Anything you guys feel as though we've not covered? Any any last rabbit holes you'd like to go down regarding the topic in focus? I don't think so. I think we've gone around everything yeah. we agreed on. Nice. Okay, well, <laughs> Andy, you, yeah, do you in, are you in agreement? Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. We covered a lot of topics that uh, yeah. uh, Nils and I have gone down the, the, these rabbit holes uh, uh, quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think it's, it's a great way to wrap things up then um if there's no additional comments so just before we end the podcast podcast sorry i'd like to say a massive thanks to you two andy and Niels, for for joining me and being such great guests i think your insights have been really good especially from the 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 startup side of things it's really good to see the how different it is when I have some conversations with people from the larger scale organizations and then you two come on and offer a completely different expect, uh, perspective Sorry, to me and the, the audience at home. So I think it'd be, be great for those guys to, to have a listen as well. Um, just another note, if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on the podcast, you can drop me a message too. I'm Jake Stamp. You can find me on LinkedIn or email me at jake.stamp at evolution-nordics.com. And thanks for listening.